what are some of the added challenges of not only playing on the road, but playing three straight games on the road? Mm-hmm. Well, um, you know, everybody knows the road is, 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 is difficult. Uh, probably the challenges are going to be here uh, more than anything are, are the um, weather conditions. You know, playing outside, we're here, we're played more of a controlled environment. It's supposed to be, um, I heard it's supposed to be like cold, like New England fall cold, but this is something that you have to, you know, put out of your mind. And, uh, uh, you know, that's probably the major challenge. That was Dusty Baker, the manager of the Houston Astros yesterday, talking about the Shifting of the scene of the American League Championship Series to Fenway Park tonight. Game three gets going. 8.07 on Sportsnet 590, the fan. And Sportsnet, the Red Sox, tying up the series. Taking the, uh, well, basically putting the boots to the Astros 9-5. And uh, in in the process, the the Astros are in nothing, kind of a crackerjack situation right now. No Lance McCullers Jr. Luis Garcia, you heard Dan Schulman tell us. In the first uh, the first segment, or the first first hour of the show, that Luis Garcia threw a bullpen yesterday and gave the thumbs up. So, uh, as of right now, you're laughing. As of right now, he uh, he will not be taken off the roster. But I mean, the fact of the matter is the the Houston Astros are going to Dusty's going to have to do some cutting and pasting. At oh. least at, at at least for the next for the next. He's two praying games. for lots of runs scored. Uh, Dusty may, <laughs> on, honest to God, you know what? Dusty may be praying. He may be praying for a nice rainout. He may be praying for a rainout right about now. I'm not sure about that. I, that may that may hurt worse than it helps. Mm. Uh-huh. Rain this time of the year means cold weather. Err. Cold weather. Err. Yeah. Lou Merloni is co-host of Merloni and Faria, W-E-E-I. Of course, he's also former MLB player. He joins us on Blair and Barker. Lou, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I, I want to ask you about your piece of investigative journalism that we couldn't play on the uh, on the air because there were a couple of words that, well, would get us in trouble <laughs> with the CRTC. Nonetheless, before we do that, though, Barker wants to ask you a question about Something Dusty just yeah, said. Yeah, Lou, I don't know if you just heard that that little intro there with Dusty talking about the weather, and, and it's it's New New England fall weather. Yeah, How do you think, because you've been there, or you're there now, how will that come into play when a dome team is coming to play this time of the year when bad weather? Well, I think the biggest thing, and, and I saw it's going to be about 50 degrees uh, first pitch and about 40 degrees at midnight, so that should be about the sixth inning. <laughs> uh, but I do think that, uh, you know, getting a grip on breaking balls, right? Yeah. I think it's going to feel like a bowling ball. Like, it's just you're not going to be able to feel it. Now, Urquidy tonight is kind of like more like a, you know, change-up master a little bit, but he'll throw the slider to the righties. But I think the biggest thing is in a controlled environment, always having that nice grip, and we know what's going on in Major League Baseball, and this is a night where people would have a little something extra on that ball to make sure they have that grip because, as you know, I mean, 45 degrees, that ball, not going to feel it too well. All right, I've got to talk about your uh, the little item that got my attention on, on, on Twitter, uh, Game 1 of the uh, Red Sox-Astros series. I, I mean, I'll watch this, and... As soon as I saw it the first time and saw you break it down, my first reaction was, how the hell is the umpire who's right there not see this? But essentially, it's the third inning of what would turn out to be a 5-4 loss. Uh, The Sox had two on, one out. Hunter Renfro hits a a double that, you're right, when it's off the bat, I'm going, that's a left field corner. That's a couple of runs. Uh, Takes a weird hop 
Only one run scores. Uh, as a result of that, uh, J.D. Martinez doesn't – has he would have scored easily from first, but he doesn't score from first. Uh, of course, the Red Sox scored more runs, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. But as you point out, you know, you left a couple of runs on, on the bases there because of the play. And Lou, in the, uh, in the review, the ball, it seems to me, clearly hits the back left leg of the ball boy's stool and ricochets out. So I, I want you to, first of all, how the hell did you see that? Well, because I thought it was a weird hop, you know, and then I kind of thought, well, you know, what is the ball boy doing sitting there? You know, um, it, first off, it's incidental contact, and Wolf's waving off like fan interference, so there's no fan interference. It's incidental contact. It's just unfortunate. But most of the guys you see in this game, first, I don't know why his position is. Plenty of room in that foul territory with a, with a wall kind of jets back towards that dugout. He should be right there. Both these guys are hugging the line with their stools. But if a ball comes down, most ball boys grab their stool and run into center, uh, into left field, right, and just get out of the way. This dude just picks up his right foot, hits the back leg, and pops up. And Alvarez, now listen, J.D. doesn't run very well from first with the ankle, but Alvarez is atrocious out there. He mm-hmm. can't run at all. So, you know, it's, it's, did it cost him the game? Whatever. You know, I, I'm not saying that that was the reason. It was an extra run. All I'm saying is move the ball boy, get him out of that spot. It's just ridiculous, and, and it was not even brought up in the telecast. Yeah, it was, and, and Alex Cora, I, well, I mean, essentially, you, you know, they, they, Alex Cora was asked the question about it because, because of what you saw, and he, he kind of said the same thing. I mean, kudos, I, because as I said, when I saw the review, I thought, yeah, he's absolutely right. I thought, and, and I was just a little surprised. You're right. I don't think it cost him the game, but it was interesting. And it's something, it'll be interesting in the next game in Houston where the ball boys stationed. I don't know if they changed them in game two. I don't know no. if you noticed that. Same spot. Okay. Same spot in game two. And I just, I couldn't, I don't understand why. Because you'll see it's Fenway Park here tonight. And Park knows that left field wall. Like, you know, yep. it kind of, it's it's like, you know, fans are sitting there facing the facing the home plate. And sometimes you hit rockets before they hit that net. It was danger zone. But the ball girl sits right there facing home plate. They don't fit, face down that line, snug in that line. I mean, that's, but they stayed in the same spot. It was just a, it was a weird, weird, weird play, you know, and I don't know why they keep them there. Did, have you noticed anything with Kiki Hernandez that, that stands out to you, uh, you know, mechanically? Is he swinging at something different? Well, why is he doing so well now? You know, the amazing thing was that he's hitting 350 on fastballs, right? And, and I think he's 9 for 12 on everything else. <laughs> yeah. Like everything else. Splits, curveballs, I, I don't get it. So, you know, because this guy's like dead yank, right? He's like a pull hitter, but he's still like staying on breaking balls, you know, at least mentally thinking up the middle of the way to allow him to stay on it. Man, if you hang it, he's just destroying it. He's just... It's hard to explain. As a hitter, I mean, you know, I'm sure you've always had moments for a week or two where you just felt like you couldn't get out. It's just fortunately for him, it happens to be the playoffs, and he's just locked in right now. Yeah, and I, I've got to say another thing about Kike Hernandez, and I admit I didn't watch an awful lot of National League National League baseball. Uh, watched it in the playoffs, but not, not during the, the regular season last year or the year before. Lou, I had no idea how good he was defensively. I figured this was kind of a utility oh. guy. And and I'm looking at him yep. in center field, and, and you look at all the metrics. I mean, look at the metrics tell you in terms of defensive runs saved and everything. He's elite. Yeah, you know, he, he was really penciled in to be your starting second baseman because, you know, some of the metrics showed you that, you know, he was that. He was an elite second baseman when he did play based on some of the numbers. But the way the roster unfolded, the way that, you know, early on, you know, Verdugo's goes in center, the outfield really didn't fit. There were some guys in the left they tried. It didn't work. So they started putting him in, in – in, uh, in center field because they had more options at second. And he was just lights out. Like it's just, and for the utility guy, it's almost like 
an elite defender, which he is, you know, it's like, okay, where's he most comfortable? Well, the position he plays the most. You know, if he plays more second base, he'll probably play at a high level. But he just started playing center field a lot because of injuries and roster, the way that it was situated. And he's been lights out. And keeping him in centers really helped this team defensively because it was a huge flaw for them, you know, late in the summer. They were just an awful defensive team. Blue, if you were the manager of the Red Sox, how would you use Chris Sale? I'd roll him back out there in game five. You know, um, he was awful against Tampa Bay. And at least against Houston, I think it's a better lineup, a deeper lineup, um, maybe more experienced lineup. You know, the fastball was still 96-97, and at least he located it better. You know, he had 94 in Tampa and couldn't throw the ball out or half for a strike. And that's why he lasted one inning. And the slider wasn't effective. Now, he still doesn't have his changeup. But there was 96-97 that made the slider a little more effective. And, and I just think the way they're situated, like Pavetta and Hauk are just – they're two good weapons out of the bullpen, and they have been for weeks. And, and I don't know what Sale is like out of the bullpen, to be honest with you. I don't know how effective he would be. So I think you roll him out, you know, game five. Because you, and the way they do it is got to wait and see what happens tonight, wait and see what happens game four. But that's probably the spot where they use him. Lou, can you tell me how Rafael Devers can look so injured in some <laughs> swings and hit home runs at the same time? Help me out here. You know, I, I don't know if uh, – <laughs> I'm not sure what this is, if it's an elbow, like a little hyperextension, or if it's, if it's his wrist. But, you know, when you swing and miss sometimes, I've had some issues with my wrist in the past, and it really only flares up when you swing and miss because there's no, there's no contact to sort of stop that last rotation of your wrist or, or maybe a hyperextend of your elbow. Uh, with him, it's like foul balls. Like, I just – I don't know what is going on. You know, he had that sleeve and, and tape on there for the last couple weeks of the season – but I know just a minor little wrist injuries that I had, it was the concern was the swing and miss because that, 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 you know, that last movement, you roll over your wrist, that's where you really feel it when there's no contact. So he's dealing with something. Um, hopefully he can shorten that swing up and make more contact because at first his swing got longer and he created less contact. So, but he's managing through it. Next three games at home in Fenway Park, who does Alex Cora lean on out of that bullpen? Well, it'll be interesting tonight. I think he just sort of goes game to game. You know, Erod, see what he does. If he really gives you another inning of performance, inning and third type of stuff. You know, you may see Pavetta um, kind of being extended here in this game and saving a guy like Tanner Howe uh, for game four. So, um, and then if he goes, gives you three or four, maybe it is Tanner Howe. You know, they Dusty kind of positions it with, you know, seven, eight, nine, one is all righties, which is kind of like a good pocket for him, even though he threw a little cement mixer to Altuve, but... Uh, so I think if, if E-Rod can give you three or four or five, I think you see Hauk for a couple. If not, I think Pavetta comes in here early. Yeah, it looks like E-Rod is throwing a little bit harder, arm speed on the change-ups a little better, a bit better. Why is that? Well, you know, he, he <laughs> against Tampa Bay, he came out in that first game and threw first two pitches change-up, and he just knew. Like, it's just awful approach. Like, just a, you know, aggressive, like passive, yep. you know, and he just he, 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 he couldn't feel it at all. And then he came out that next game, and all of a sudden it was fastballs in, fastballs in, cutters in. And then he could go to his changeup, right? Like he, 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 you know, so once you established in, then his changeup was more effective. But I just think the mindset of like, hey, I'm going to be aggressive today. I'm going to challenge you with my fastball. I'm going to establish my fastball, cutter in, make, you, make the righties feel uncomfortable, open the door for him a little bit more because you know, I hated that first approach. Ball, you know change up, change up. I mean, what are you saying on the mound? It's like basically you're trying to trick him from the first pitch. Lou, really good of you to do this, my friend. Yeah. Thanks so much. Be well. Have fun.
right, any, anytime, guys. All take right, care. take it easy. See ya. It's Lou Merloni, co-host of Merloni and Faria on WEEI. Yeah, Rodriguez, he's an interesting guy, left-handed against against the, the Astros who have in the past lambasted him. I think he's made a couple of starts against him this year, giving up six runs, but it's a different guy. Lou, Lou mm-hmm. mentioned that, you know, he's not as passive as establishing. We talk about that all the time with the Blue Jays lefties. You got to establish in hard, you know, get that in there, get the, the righties open up the front hip, and then you can expand with secondary pitches away. That that allows you not to have to be as fine, but it's the Astros lineup in that short porch and left. And if you make a mistake, it, it's, you know, it, it could be bad things for, for Rodriguez. So that's an interesting thing, but you know, it's, it's, I just think these two lineups are so lineup based that everything is based off of that. The, the the two managers are there to just give their lineup a chance, but that's all they're there for. If you see something you don't like with the pitcher, go to somebody else. It's, it's never too soon to do that because of how your lineups are. It'd be interesting to see who, who doesn't do it soon enough. That for me is the one thing. It would be odd if it was Alex Cora. Maybe I, it would be odd. Maybe home field advantage, a big thing, Fenway. Yeah. The fans, that short porch and left, they just seem to feed off that. And it's that for me is the one thing I'll be looking for. It's you know they have talent all both lineups, both teams. They play good enough defense. Uh, the outfield defense for the Red Sox is really good. In this park, you have to have that. The infield defense is great for the for the Astros. Both their lineups are great. It's the pitching. And that's when the managers come into play. And that'll be an interesting thing is, will Dusty wait a batter too long? Will Alex Cora go to a bullpen? Maybe Alex goes to a bullpen arm too soon in Fenwell Park. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how both managers handle it. I'd like to play at Fenway. I, well, I played there during the season. You know, my, my last name's Barker's easy to pick on. I, I was I played first Baca. base. Kevin Barker. Well, you know, that's not the, how they say it. They, they, they... <laughs> And the Bob Barker thing that they, they, they attack that pretty easy. And that's it's fun. You, if you tip your hat and you make fun of them and they make fun of you back. And, you know, I hit a home run there over the green wave over the Fenway, the, the, the green monster. So that made it a little easier for me to uh-huh, see what I did, but it's, I, I just don't think that'll come into play for the Astros this time of the year. The weather is a big deal. Dusty just bringing that up is, is for whatever reason, They've talked about it, and and they've had conversations about games in the past. Right. What was it like when it was windy, when it was cold, when it was fall, New England-y weather? How do you handle it? Well, this is and something Lou mentioned that I'd forgotten about. Now, it is October. The weather is New England fall weather. Yeah. We know that Major League Baseball cracked down on the sticky stuff. On the sticky stuff. Mm. You think this may be... With the weather being what it is, may we see that have an impact here now? Yeah, obviously Los Angeles is going to be warm, right? Like LA is going to be warm. Atlanta is going to be warm. Houston's indoors. But this is Boston. It's going to be damp, as Lou said, 50 degrees at game time. By midnight, when we're in the fourth inning, it'll be probably be 40-ish, below mm-hmm. 40. Is this where that may may play a factor, the sticky stuff? I think that that just screams to me excuses. That's such an easy excuse for a guy to to hang a breaking ball and went, man, if I just had enough sticky stuff. No, but I'm saying I'm not weather. I'm not talking about it being an excuse. Could it be a factor? Uh, maybe. Grip. Maybe. The, the, the Red Sox are used to this. 
They they should already have game planned against that. How much, you know, rosin and sweat they use, you know, not on their hat because you can't have that, but actually on their fingers. Like you, you, it's, you use the rosin, you lick your finger. That's enough of that to get friction enough that you get the finish on a breaking ball that you can really snap it off and get the break, the late break that you wanted to have the Astros. I just, for whatever reason, when I was, cause I, you know, I, I try to dig in on what Dusty says, little things. And for whatever reason, Dusty was real open about that. That would be, maybe he's thought about the, sticky the break stuff. on the sticky stuff and the, and the break on the breaking balls and, and maybe certain situations, the guy that really can snap it off. Maybe that'd be a guy he doesn't go to in big spots. That's yeah, just, it's another talking point. Yeah. I don't know. Guys, guys, you know, allegedly, baseball has cracked down on it and we see guys being checked between innings. So I, I just wonder though, um, I, I keep thinking of that, the Kenny Rogers game that I covered in Detroit and that, mm-hmm. that world series, it was freaking cold. I was yeah. cold. It was cold. It was wet. And he came out and he had that whole sure. whack of pine tar on the side. Yeah, yeah. I, I just wonder, and Lou brought it up and I think it's an interesting point. Cold weather. You're going to have a lot of guys with breaking pitches. Fingers getting uh, fatter when it gets colder, right? It's harder to grip the ball. It's harder to have that finish on your on your breaking stuff. But uh, look, this time of the year, this is it's when you put your big boy pants on. You, you know, if you don't if you don't have the feel of something, you throw something else. You locate hmm. that a little bit better. That's how you're getting guys out. But it'd be interesting. It's interesting to to see how the managers attack that because the managers should know that if if the if Dusty has a guy in the bullpen who can flip it and is flipping it better in an, a controlled environment with the roof closed. Mm-hmm. And then he has real issue at flipping it when it's windy outside because of the sticky stuff. Then you're probably not going to go to that guy. So maybe that's your homework. Tune in on who he goes to when it winds blowing the most, Jeff, come back and tell us what happened. I just, I, I, I wonder if we'll see somebody, somebody try to try oh, to sneak some stuff out there. It. I'm just saying. Well, you see, you see, you see the, you know, the, the, the men in blue cracking down on that between innings. Well, there's six of them, so they should be able to see. Yeah, it. like four of them don't do anything, so they they should be able. Well, who doesn't they, do they anything? They should be the four that that. Who yeah. doesn't do anything? Well, there's. The, I'll, let's be honest. Well, the outfield the, the, dudes the, the, don't. The first base umpire and the home plate umpire are the only two that really work. The the other four don't really do anything. Let's be honest. Well, let's second not, base. Let's say it like it is. Now that the play at second base has been eliminated. Essentially, it's just did he touch the bag or not? Like, and, and when you really don't like umpires, you really don't like umpires. Occasionally, I, I gotta, I gotta. It's it's all right to yell at them. Fenway, Fenway Park, the umpires are gonna have to be in their feet. Of course, you got instant, you got replay for home runs of that. So you're right, you're right. All right, Fenway should be easier because because that, that down the, there's no foul territory. That's another thing Dusty talked yeah. about. Is it's like two feet of foul territory. So you got to be careful breaking it down. If you're an outfielder, there's little things that go into and the wind blowing all over the place. So funny you mentioned that. Element to that. Funny you mentioned that. Our friend Mark DeRosa was just talking about it on MLB Network. On and of course he was a third baseman, but playing third base at Fenway. I uh, uh, Blue and Jays you play fan, first Blue base. J- Blue Jays fans remember first baseman Vladimir Guerrero Jr. running over in that foul territory because of the on deck circle, because of the batter, because there's not a lot of foul territory. And when it goes above the whatever you want to call the the, the, the mesh, know, well, no, way above oh, the, okay. the the outskirts of the stadium, and then it comes back down. The wind it blows the ball differently, and. 
You know, you gotta you gotta be confident in how you're you're running after a ball in foul territory because there's not a lot of it. And the way that wind's blowing that ball all over the place and the fans are right in front of you yelling and screaming at you, you gotta have confidence in yourself when you run over there. That's all I can tell you. And we've seen we've seen Red Sox first basements tippy toe over there. Yep. Right? And not want to run into the stands or run into the wall and the fence and so that'd be another little thing, to, you know, fans need to to, to hone in on and, and be aware of that, too. So there you go. We've given you some homework. Uh, we want to talk about a story Jeff Passan broke yesterday. And uh, it's a story that's very close to Kevin's heart because you spent, a, and I mean this with all due respect, you spent a great deal of time in the minor leagues. Uh, major League Baseball teams are going to provide housing for minor league baseball players starting in 2022. Now, this... It's an it's an interesting story. It's being widely heralded as you know, historic victory for minor league baseball players, but there's this 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 odd sort of line in Major League Baseball's release where it essentially says certain minor league players that the accommodations will be paid for Prospects. for certain. Well, that's what I. Bingo. Be honest. Bingo. Say it out loud. That's that's what I thought, which well, we've anyhow, we've got some thoughts about it. It's uh it's an interesting story. It's a topic that a lot of people in baseball have kind of picked picked up on this year and and have made uh, yeah, may, have made a real issue of uh, Britt Giroli and and the folks at the Athletic have done an awful lot of really really good reporting on this particular story. And as I mentioned, Mr. Barker as a uh, as a minor leaguer, uh has some thoughts about this as well. Um, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about whether or not Major League Baseball, when it essentially took over the operations of the minor leagues, which let's face it, that is what has happened in the past year. I wonder if Major League Baseball at any point did somebody say, you know what, if we do this, all of a sudden we're going to be the guys that are going to have to take care of the welfare of the players. It's not going to be the owner of the Durham Bulls or the owner of the Wichita Windsox or whatever the hell they're called. It's going to be us. So we'll talk about that. You're listening to Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan. All right, welcome back to Blair and Bark. A reminder that uh, you can subscribe to our podcast wherever you collect your podcast. Blair and Barker. Mm. Just got the name there, Blair, and it's got the little and sign. Was that an amp? I don't know what. Is that an ampersand? Is that what you call it? I'm old. An ampersand? There you go. You're looking at me like you're. I guess I should know that, shouldn't I? You are the host of the show. You should. Do a little homework, bud. Be afraid. Hmm. So Jeff Passan reported yesterday that uh, Major League Baseball has decided that it will provide housing for minor league baseball players starting in 2022. Now, Barker's just put, slammed his, his, his fist down here. Uh, it's... It's an issue that really started, I, I guess, to bubble up last year. And uh, there were the establishment of a couple of ad, advocacy groups for minor leaguers. Folks, I mean, I can't put this any other way. Minor league baseball players basically work for less than minimum wage. And 
imagine yourself working for less than minimum wage and paying for an apartment in a place like San Jose or Brooklyn. This is the thing. It's not minor league teams aren't aren't all in little hick towns anymore. A lot of them are situated in cities where, you know, rents are high. Rents, rents are high everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's generally what you end up seeing. And um, uh, I can't remember who tweeted this out. It might have been Tom Cole or the former pitcher tweeted out a picture of his apartment from his second or first year in the minors. Mm-hmm. There's like five sleeping bags there. There's the bed. There's a couple of guys on on laptops. Basically, because you're making nothing, you cram a bunch of dudes together in a in a uh, in a, in an apartment. So, what has happened now is Major League Baseball has decided that they are going to provide housing, and this is still it, it's the the only thing available is the outline. But the owners agreed unanimously in September that they would start paying for accommodations for certain players, and. He, that's exactly what the MLB press release says, certain players. As Mr. Barker suspects, perhaps we're talking about uh, prospects. Maybe Gabriel Marino gets a nicer place this year than some guy who's at single A. But I, I also want to read, read out the salary increases for minor leaguers just so we have an idea of what we're talking about. Okay, this, this year, Major League Baseball increased the salary for minor leaguers. From minimum pay, this is outrageous, $290 to $500 a week at Class A, $350 to $600 a week in AA, and from $502, those extra $2, man, sure went a long way, from $502 to $700 a week for AAA players for a full season. So for a full season, I should say Class A players get $12,000, AA players $14,400, AAA players $16,800. Of course, if you're a veteran, you're down sent down to AAA. Obviously, you're going to make more. Uh, but Kevin, a, a couple of things about this. First of all, those salaries are are outrageous. Um, rookie rookie ball, nineteen ninety six. I think I was. I made eleven hundred dollars a month. And where were you playing rookie ball? Ogden, Utah. It, it was. It was. We had no money for nothing. Now, now I signed a, a decent bonus. So I was okay there. But you also, part of that a, bonus I, is going to be banked and you're going to. I had a host family. I had a host family. That, that's the way it was. Me and my, me and my a friend that I, that I made my, my first day as a, as a Milwaukee brewer, he was running around the outfield and I was walking on the field and I was like, Hey buddy, how you doing? And like 10 minutes later, you want to find a host family? Sure. You making any money? Nope. I'm not either. So yeah, I, th- this just, this for me, it, there's so many gray areas in that, that, I just like you, who wants a roommate when you're in triple A, when you're in double A, I'm assuming that the people that will have these, this housing, you'll have a buddy. You'll have two buddies. They're mm-hmm. not just giving you a, an apartment by yourself. I would assume. Cause it costs more money. And just to put this in context, most minor leaguers are going to make less than $15,000 and, of course, keep in mind, they're not yeah. going to get their paycheck until next April. They're not getting paid over the winter. But there you go. they're still, they got to train. I, I presume you probably have to balance a job and you, you, you need money. A lot of them do. Most of those young guys live with their families. Their live parents. with their families. Yeah. So there you go. You make $15,000 and then you got to do something else for the other six months. And, of course, this is 
minor league players have been exempted from federal minimum wage requirements and overtime rules uh, by a, a bill that was passed in 2016 uh, that, that essentially, well, essentially it was called Save America's Pastime Act, and it essentially prevented minor league players from claiming overtime or, or claiming wage discrimination. I mean, the whole, look, the whole thing is, the, the whole thing just grates at you. But it, it's interesting, too, because when Major League Baseball took over the operations of the minor leagues, which it started to do last year, and, and scaled down the minor leagues, one of the things that kind of brought on itself is, okay, if you guys are running the minor leagues, now you're responsible for the feeding, the care, and the uptake of these guys. So you cannot blame the owner of the Durham Bulls if six guys are living in one room. This is on Major League Baseball. Now, you guys wanted it this way. You got to pay for it. And and the estimates are that to house every minor league player would cost an organization less than a million dollars. So I'm talking about yeah. A, double A, triple uh, A, you know, lower A leagues, whatever. To house everybody would cost less than a million dollars. Yeah, I bet, you, I bet you if you went up to minor leaguers and said, uh, we'll do that for you or we'll give you more money, which, which one do you think they'd take? Uh, housing. Absolutely not. I'd, nope. take, I'd take more money because I can get a group of friends together and it'd be way cheaper and I'd make more money but, with but, friends having it, which is exactly what I did. Even, for most, even most if housing was paid for you? Yeah. The, there, okay. Again, this is, All there's right. so many great areas there when it comes to how many people are living in one place. What if I don't like the people? What if, what if I want to get my own buddies? Pay me more money. I'm doing a job for you. I should be paid how good I am. And again, this gets back to that's why I said the prospect part of it. When my when when the P came off the beside my name as a minor leaguer, my my career changed. You got treated differently. You got coaches. Explain that, that a little just more. Just everything that went with being a prospect. It was every coach looked at you differently when you were a prospect than when you were not a prospect. It's just the way life is. You got treated differently. You got more cage time. You got more early work, more late work. You got paid more attention to by coaches that mattered. Big league coaches would come down and talk to you more when you were a prospect than you were not a prospect. It's just the way life is. So this thing here, this is eyewash for me. Like, you just pay, pay more money. Forget about where I live. Let me worry about where I live. Pay me what I deserve. $1,100 a month in rookie ball is not good enough. That's not the way life should be. I'm in rookie ball because I'm a decent player. Pay me like it. Don't tell me where I need to live and who I need to live with and all those things. I'm a grown-up. I don't need you to tell me that. It, that's the part of it that, now, again, what you read there really doesn't tell all the little guidelines and, and who's getting what and where mm-hmm. and who's staying. And Like, it's like the, the, the older and the higher levels you go, the more grown-up you are. I don't want to be told what to do and where I need to stay and pay me more. It's like every job. The higher you go, the higher you go in levels, you should get paid more and a lot more. And that for me is just an excuse for them to say, well, we're doing this for you. Now we don't have to pay you as much. I know the little upgrade you're talking like $40. Really? I, I was surprised. Like, I, I, I am always surprised. Joke. I'm always surprised when I hear how little money it's a joke. minor leaguers it get It really paid. is. And that, keep, that's, and that's keep in I'm mind, saying. well, and keep in mind too that the, the minor leaguers are, are generating income or were generating income. They, we're generating income for owners. So if you're the owner of a minor league team and 
I don't know, you're drawing six, seven thousand. Now you're not they're not paying. How, many, how much, much money the Buffalo Bisons make because Vladimir Guerrero Jr. played yeah. there? There you go. Or Bo Bichette was there. Yep. Or their double A team. That's my point is that you know, the prospects are going to make their money because they're a prospect and, and, you know, service time, each level you go up because you're a prospect, you make this amount of money and there's everybody else and everybody else don't make that. That's my point is it's, was there a time when you knew? Yeah. When I, when you, when you were, you were no longer considered a prospect. Like, was there a time where you thought, okay, this is when I got traded to San Diego from the Brewers. That's about the time it was, I think that was 2001. I got traded. I had about five or six years of being a prospect. Once that was over, you get lumped in with everybody else. That means you're, the numbers that you have to have are twice as big as the prospect's numbers for you to even be looked at, and that's when it starts getting harder. And, and then yeah, you, it's harder to get jobs. And, mm-hmm. you know, that, that six-year free agent thing in the minor league level, you <laughs> ain't got a lot of, a lot of legs to stand on there. So you, it's basically you're getting what they want to give you. And – it just is like, again, there, there's not a lot of benefit if you're just an average player trying to make it through the minor leagues of staying a minor leaguer. If, if a better job comes up, I, I suggest, this is just me, a guy that's been there and done it before, if you have a better opportunity and you're a middle or road player, like there's just, you know, will you or won't you? There's like you don't really have any idea and you get a better opportunity to have a career, take the career. Even if you're a pitcher, because it seems like everybody – I mean, look at the guys that Jays ran through this year. It rarely happens, Jeff. Like but how, look at the guys that Jays how many, ran How many other pitchers were there other yeah. than those other guys? It's rare. Like, it's just – But it's hard to give up the dream, right? Especially when you're uh, – you got to be a man sometimes. you got to look yourself in the mirror. That's what I wasn't real good at. I, You know, luckily I had good family, and my dad would, you know, punch me in the arm and go, let's go, clean it up. And finally I figured it out, and – you know, it's about you, and it's not about that organization or about your dream. <laughs> you know, dream don't pay the bill. Yeah. So that's my point is, you know, that that's when these minor leaguers that are that are in the middle have better opportunities. And, and that's just – when you were reading that, I was rolling my eyes and throwing my hands in the air because I've been there. And, and if you talk to any minor leaguer who's been there and, and, and had to work through and fight through, okay – why do you think I played 15 years in a row in, in, in winter ball? Not because you like the climate. No, I, I, I like going over there. Like towards the end of my career, it was, it was just a habit. That's where I was going. But you made decent money playing winter ball. There, bam. You made more money playing winter ball. I, than you I didn't. mean, I made, I made a, a money that I wouldn't have to go out and work at Lowe's. Yeah. When I should, I shouldn't have to do that. It's my point because I worked for an organization and I was a really really good minor league player that should have been the big leagues quite, quite frankly, and wasn't and didn't get paid like that is my point. And then people like me that had to get jobs. Luckily my job was winter ball in the off season. That's it's just, it's, it's a very, it's just, let me ask you this. Did you get treated better by your winter ball team than your major league team Absolutely. at the end of your career? Absolutely. You want to know why? But it was performance driven, and you had you, nothing to do. With me and you hit home runs. Uh, yeah, well, I I got back leg city, baby. That's that's what it was all about. How do you about. say back leg city in Spanish? I, I say it how I say it, and everybody buys into it because I'm actually doing it. Okay, that's how I say it. Well, I I, I don't know. We, I don't know. I don't want to say it, and then just be. Yeah, we, we don't want to do that. No, we don't. We don't want to experiment with languages Absolutely on, on radio. So that's, yeah, that's, it's, that's it's, not a look at Lance. Lance that, is like Lance just woke up all of a sudden. He heard me say we're going to experiment that's why with language. I went to winter ball is because over there is performance driven. Didn't matter how old you were. Didn't matter if you're a prospect. 
Most of the most of those teams over there, if you were performing, playing defense, running the bases, driving in runs, hitting home runs, you're staying longer than everybody else, and that's why I love. That's why I loved it. I, I knew what it was all about. You go over there and have a bad first week, you're gone. See ya. Yeah. What's all about? Uh, I will tell you a very quick story because I want to talk a little more about your experiences. But the year the Major League Baseball players went and strike, I don't. I don't think Cliff Lloyd will mind if I say this. The year the Major League Baseball players went and strike. Uh, I went over to the Dominican Republic to do a story in the Alou family. And Cliff and Rondell were both over there. Now, and, and we're talking 93, 94, so there was no internet. So I I know that they're over there because I've talked to, to Cliffy's agent, and he said, yeah, they're over there. And I said, look, I'd I'd love to do a story on, 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 on Cliff and Rondell, you know, the Montreal guy, the Montreal Connection, no problem, fine, checking at my hotel, I'm all set. And, uh, they had, and I can't remember which of the two it was, but it was their first experience in winter ball in the Dominican Republic, and one of them just said, I'm out. Yeah. And I remember finding out that they just left. One of them left, and the other, I, I think the other may have just gone as well. Um, it's not for everybody, man. Yeah. It's not for everybody. Now, there are guys who've gone over there, and... Save their career. Ask Matt Stairs at Winter Ball. Matt Stairs owned a freaking team in Mexico. Mm. Uh, so there are guys that have gone over there and saved their careers, but it, it's not for everybody because I think a lot of guys go over there and think, eh, I'm going to be facing a bunch of AAA Dominican players. And yeah, but, you are getting that, but those guys are getting a lot of money. Those guys get a lot of grief when they don't when they don't perform. I remember going into the Escajito Lions clubhouse and they had a lockbox for guns. Everybody had a gun. And but I'm serious. Everybody had a gun because guys would get robbed. Juan Bell when I was there. Juan Bell was a tough, he was a tough dude. Mm-hmm. Bell got robbed one day. Yeah. And I never even came close to have that happen to me. But a lot of the a lot of the Dominican players, because they have, you know, they've got family, they got friends. They it's it's a trip, man. It yeah, really yeah. is. You go over there and you talk about it on air, and I know people have heard you talk about it. It's you if you don't play. Fenway Park's got nothing on on an upset on an upset winter ball crowd. Got nothing. They'll man, throw man, stuff. Well, at this you. time of the year in Fenway Park might be a little different than than this, you know, in, in winter ball. But yeah, you're to your point is it's it's a hostile environment if you're a visiting team going in to face a big time Dominican winter ball team. It just is like it's. You got to be aware of that. You got to be aware of the rock throwing, and that's just part of it. That you got to embrace it. You got to have fun with it. Like it was so loud a lot of the times in the playoff games, I'd use earplugs just because I couldn't think. It didn't have anything to do with the loud noise. It's got to been over there so many times. It didn't bother me that way, but it was so loud that I I couldn't hear myself think <laughs> literally, and I had to quiet it down and actually give myself a chance because you know Moises Alou would come down and yell and scream at me if I wasn't getting hit so <laughs> so you know it was up to me to get some hits and I, I took great pride in that like I I my off season w- which was really small was geared around how do I play you know 120 games in the states and another 80 games in winter ball god that's a lot of baseball Jesus. it's a habit for me it wasn't a big deal anymore like I wanted to play <laughs> from start to finish and then in the playoffs in, in winter ball. Oh, and, and you that, get that to the Caribbean forever. World Series. Well, you're going to get depends lots on, of. Depends on which team you're on. You have to get drafted and all those kind of things. That's a special time. I only That only happened to me once. Yeah. And we actually won it. But And that is the other thing. They, they can basically 
they can kick you out any time they want. Yeah, but if you get drafted for that, they're not kicking you no, out. No, no, but I'm saying in the, the, in the, in the Dominican League, if, if, if they get a call from a guy who's better than you, they'll say adios. Yeah, yeah, you know, it never happened to me, knock on wood, because I was, I was pretty big of it. I, mean, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I was... I was a big dealer. You like, had a lot was, of home runs there. Well, I, it wasn't so much the home runs as it was, you know, I played great defense, and I got huge hits there. That's, that's just the way it was. Like, And I took pride in that because you got to go over there, you're expected to perform, and I, it's, it was a lot of fun doing that, and it was just, you know, it was just became part of who I was and how, I, how what, I prepared myself for an entire season was going to Winter Bowl. What was your worst living experience in the minors? I mean, there was lots of them. Like I, you know, bus rides were pretty bad. Because you seem to be a part of it. But I, you seem to be a pretty. You would seem I, to have I been a pretty easy going dude back I, then. The roommate thing was what I had issues with. The older I got, the less I like people. <laughs> Periods. And and you know, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that. Well, it's pretty when, hard to well, make. It's I'm, pretty hard I'm, to mean it any other I'm way than bad 15, way. When I'm over for fifteen, I don't want to go home and talk to people. I want to be by myself and. And then when you get a little, you know, when you get involved in that and you start to have to have roommates because of, you know, money issues yeah. and, and all those kind of things and how much it costs there. And then you have a house of where you actually live. So you're paying for that. You're paying for a, an apartment. You have to have a roommate. The older you get, the ornery you get. I, you know, and I, when I struggle, my, the goal is to get to the big leagues. And sometimes you just get where you're not a nice person. And going home is your sort of your time away. So that, that for me was the big thing that I had to fight through was the actual having a roommate. Did I really want one? Was it, was it worth, you know, him giving me $250 or I just suck it up and pay my $250 and, and it's, you know, I'm paying whatever it was, 800 bucks for a room and, and, and a one bedroom apartment. So finally it just got to the point where I'd rather just do that and. And the food was, uh, I mean, it was, did the, the food was atrocious in the minor leagues. It really is. You're, you're the, 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 the spreads, there is no spreads. It's, I, I, I joke about this all the time. It literally is a six inch between double headers. Uh, uh what? They, they take, they take a foot long sub, oh. they whack it in two. They give you six inches of it. You take the other six inches and you scarf that down. You got 25 minutes. Get your, seriously. <laughs> no, I, that's I mean, just the way I, you said it. Six. That's a, look. The guys behind the glass, they're laughing. They got it. Only you would bring that up. Well, yeah, I get what you, you're you saying. Got, you have you have to be strong-minded if you're if you're if you're not a prospect. And there's only a handful of prospects. People have to understand that there's only a handful of. That's why when you pull up the Blue Jays website, there's 30 of them yeah. that are only did, named on that website. Did you get the uh, soup and apple and spring training thing? I remember covering. Uh, Covering being at the minor league facility uh, one year with the Expos, and lunchtime was chicken. Seriously, lunchtime was a little plastic bowl of chicken no. noodle soup and apple and orange. No, juice. I, I can't say this. Mo most spring trainings, I would start in in big league camp. Oh, okay. Most of the time, you get big league meal money, and yeah. then by the time I got sent down, it was towards the end of spring training, and I was no chance I was eating in camp. Absolutely yeah. no chance. So I would go out to a restaurant and eat because I, all that meal money I made in okay. big league camp. Which I don't think they do that anymore because they pay your dues. They pay. So you your don't club even get clubhouse. You don't even get. I think you meal still. Money. I think you still get meal. I I should know. I think you still get meal money. I know they do pay. They do pay clubhouse dues. Mm -hmm. But that was the other thing. Guys had to pay clubhouse dues. The, the just the the cost of being a minor league player. 
I, I, if anything good comes out of this, I, I hope it's that people have a better understanding yeah. of the, the cost of being a minor. And it's all player. about service time on how much you pay for clubhouse dues. Like, like the first year AAA guy comes in and is not making a ton of money. His club, his daily thing, I would say is like 10 bucks. Me saying I'm a five-year veteran of AAA, mine's 17, 18 bucks a day. That's the difference. Like you're paying because of service time. Yeah. That's, that's how they base that. And that's what I said. All this stuff about them paying for your uh, – come on, just give more money. That's a, they, that, for me, is an easy way to gloss over. We don't have to pay you as much because we're taking care of your housing. What if I don't want you to? That, what if I want money in the bank? What if that's what this is all about? It's my job. My job is to make money, not for you to pay for my housing. I'm a grown-up. Yeah, it, it's an interesting I, – I admit I had never thought of it that way. I had never thought of it that way. But, yeah, given your choice of, I mean, it would have to be a substantial pay increase. But, I mean, if the pay is where it is right now, I would, if someone's going to pay for me to, or, or, or going to provide me my accommodation, I'd be okay with that. Theoretically, it should be more money in my pocket. But you are right. You do get to a certain age. Guys are 29, AAA. Probably not as much as they used to be when I was there. That, that was the theme when I was there is, it was odd to see a young guy in AAA. Now it's odd to see an old guy in AAA. All right. Anyhow, at least, well, I was going to say at least it's a step forward, but you've changed. Thanks for, that, thanks for that depressing conversation for the last 40 minutes on a, on a look back of. No, I think people need, I, people are interested in that. I, I mean, I can't tell them that. So nobody else in this station can tell them that. Siddle could probably tell them that. You know, Buck was a minor leaguer, could tell about it. Uh, and it's important people realize how much. It's just important that they realize what what the yeah what the reality is of being a minor league player. The ra- reality is, if you're not a prospect and you get an opportunity to find a career that's outside of baseball, I recommend you take it. There you go. What happens tonight before we scoot? Red Sox, Astros. What happens? What's your gut tell? I like the Red Sox. Yeah, I hate to say. I mean, I'm pulling for Dusty. But I just think Mojo Fenway game two had kind of an odd the, 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 the feel to game Ar- two was Ar- just mm. Arcadi hadn't pitched since October the third. Yeah, I don't know what's he gonna give you. <laughs> like I could just see Kike back leg city two times. I'll be interested in hearing seven nothing after third inning. I'll be interested in hearing if uh, Danny Shulman finds out what's up with Christian Javier because that 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 to me is is just a mystery. This is a guy a couple last year one of their best pitchers. Now, I know I had trouble with giving up a lot of fly balls this year. But, man, given where they are right now, they're down to the stems and seeds in their pitching staff. So you'd like to think that he had a uh, he had a chance. That's it for us. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks. You've been listening to Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan.